listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Man, so, so thank you so much for joining us this morning. I'm Pastor Jason, if you don't know, and uh, just want to share with you a couple of things. And, and normally, I just want to preface before I start, I try to start out each message with you know some sort of uh, lighthearted illustration or a funny story just to kind of break the ice. But um, today, it, it's honestly a little heavier. It's been a heavy week. Um, and uh, not, not for our church or me necessarily personally, but for our, our country, it's been, a, it's been a heavy week. And uh, despite what side of the aisle you're on, I think we can all agree that our country is, is in a dark place at the moment. And, uh, and this, be- this week alone, you know, bombs were sent to politicians and activists, and, and uh, a white man tried to break into an African-American church to shoot people and ended up shooting two random AA members at, uh, at Kroger's, and, uh, and now Jews targeted in, in synagogues, and what a week of tremendous, tremendous evil. You know, and, 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 I, and I, I don't want you to worry, I'm not going to go on some political diatribe because I believe nationalism um, should have, shouldn't have an, an overly active voice in church, but... Um, of course, we celebrate those who serve our country, you know, and, and, and served our country so well. We celebrate them. We're proud of them. We're proud to know them, and we're beyond grateful for their service. But the country we love that they have served so faithfully is in a dark moment right now. And uh, we're polarized, fragmented and divided by our differences right now as a country. And uh, so many people right now feel like their, their opinion is right. And if they are right, then that makes the other person wrong, right? And, and it's their job to correct their apparent misunderstanding, right? And, and uh, when maybe their life experiences have shaped their perspective, that is just different than yours, you know? And I would venture to say that our differences are at the center of a lot of the conflict that we have as a nation. And uh, but our freedom, despite our differences, is actually what makes our country great, right? And um, it's no different in the church. The fact that we are created completely unique, you know, no one is made like you. You are a masterpiece all by itself. You are God's masterpiece, and you're made completely unique, and that's a beautiful part of the church. Uh, But our differences also cause conflict within our church communities, right? And, And I personally feel like as the American church, we have forgotten how to disagree with respect, right? And I feel like we have lost sight on how to resolve conflict with honor, right? And uh, uh, we, we've forgotten our call to be peacemakers inside and outside of the church. Uh, 
And uh, I just want to remind you that in this house, in this house, the Mission Redlands, uh, we embrace our differences with open arms and we celebrate the Savior that we hold in common. And if that is going to continue to be true for, for years to come in our community, we need to know uh, as a Jesus-believing community how to resolve conflict in a God-honoring way, right? Which is why last week we began this new series called Peacemakers, Uh, Because Jesus himself said in in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. And that's Matthew 5, 9 from the ESV. Last week, in a phenomenal word from the Lord, Ricardo um, introduced us to the idea of Christ-like peacemaking and, and shared something very profound that I've actually been thinking a lot about. He said, my horizontal peacemaking with others, my horizontal peacemaking with others has to come out of the overflow of my vertical peace with God. Amen. Right? That's so good. Thank you for sharing that, Ricardo. That was so good. That, that altered my perspective. Um, when my overflow, when the overflow of my vertical peace with God flows into my horizontal peacemaking with others, it's beautiful. And when my gratitude for what Christ uh, did for me as my peacemaker with God is in its proper place, when that gratitude is in its proper place, I can't help but extend reconciliation, forgiveness, grace, and mercy to others the way Jesus did for me. Uh, Gratitude is a position of the heart, um, just like bitterness and unforgiveness is. And... uh, when my heart is positioned uh, or sometimes uh, repositioned in a place of gratitude for, for the vertical peace Jesus has given me uh, with God, I can extend that vertical peace in a horizontal relationship between me and you. The inside always makes its way outside. The inward Life with Jesus affects all the relationships uh, in my outer life. Uh, I like what the New Living Translation, how it it puts this this scripture, Proverbs 4.29, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And I think this is especially true with conflict resolution. Um, When... uh, we all have different feelings about dealing with conflict. Don't you think that's true? Like we have different feelings. Uh, uh, some people avoid it like the plague. Anybody avoid it like the plague, right? Yeah, yeah, a couple hands in the back. Other people thrive on conflict, right? Anybody? Anybody thrive on conflict? Uh, some people, you know, um, you know, personally, actually growing up, my, my family beats around the bush about everything, Right, like they just they they never say anything directly, and if there is a conflict, um, like 
um, more significant than, oops, we ran out of butter, right? Like, uh, my family's response to this day, actually, is to pretend like nothing is wrong and ignore the conflict like it doesn't exist, which cre- in turn creates enormous conflict in my wife. And, uh, <laughs> and so, as a young man, that's how I learned to deal with conflict. You know, I, I followed in the footsteps of my family, but you know what? Pretending like conflict... Uh, doesn't exist, doesn't work because it just manifests itself in other ways, including passive aggressiveness, manipulation, and bitterness, just to name a few, right? And uh, you may be like I used to be and have a position, a heart's position of fear when it comes to conflict. Uh, it took me a long time to unlearn that behavior. And honestly, I'm still, I still wrestle with it a little bit. Um, but no matter what your heart's position is towards conflict, it's so important to turn and face it rather than ignore it and run away altogether. I used to dread dread dealing with conflict, and I still don't like it, but I used to dread it because of the emotions that are involved, right? Someone's going to get angry and shout, or I may have to look someone in the eye and tell them something uncomfortable, or I may have to get vulnerable and admit that I was hurt, right? Like, my attitude kind of became, man, it's not worth all that, right? It's not worth all that. Who cares? It's their problem anyways, right? But, but what I didn't realize is that conflict ignored is like standing in quicksand, right? It's like standing, the longer you live with it, the stronger it tightens its grip on you, right? And pretty soon you're being swallowed up by the undercurrent of bitterness and anger. And it's a lot easier to watch out for quicksand than to get out of it once you're stuck, right? Uh, Believe me, I know. That's why turning and facing conflict is so important because the longer you sit with it, the more it festers, and pollutes your attitude and your thinking. And this is why Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 26 and 7, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. See, not all, sin, not all anger is sin, but sitting with it for too long is simply giving the devil an opportunity to strengthen his grip on all your fears and insecurities. And pretty soon, the first um, offense that, that, um, that you were angry about evolves into being angry about everything. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The thing is not the thing anymore, Right? Because the pressure has built up and anything could set you off. And that's why it's so important to address conflict right away. Because it gives you the best chance at making sincere peace with another person. And it's, 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 uh, it's what the Apostle Paul calls us to do in Romans twelve eighteen. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all not with some, not with the ones you like, 
you know, with all. I love two things about this scripture. Sincerely, I love them. The first thing I love about that scripture is that it starts with if possible. If possible, right? I love that he includes that because there, there, there may be people in our lives who no matter how hard we try, just don't want peace with us. Uh, they, they just want to be offended. They, they want to live in their anger. And you know what? Um, we can't control their actions. We can't control their decisions, but we can control ours, right? And, and that's why Paul continues on to say the other thing I love, which is so far as it depends on you, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. This is an easy thing to say and a hard thing to live out because sometimes when a person just doesn't want to make peace, we have to rest in the fact that we did everything we could on our end and let go. I believe allowing ourselves to stay open to reconciliation and praying for it is completely necessary. Absolutely. But there does come a point where we have to realize we can't control the actions of the other person. We can't force them to make peace with us. And and at that point, we have to let go a little. Because peacemaking is only possible when both parties want it. And some people, no matter how hard you try, just don't want peace. And Paul knew that. So this begs the question, what, um, what is the God-honoring way to turn and face conflict? What's the God-honoring way? Well, I would, I would begin with a reminder that within the church context, within the church context, Paul charges us with speaking the truth in love to each other. In Ephesians 4, 11, 16, um, says this, and, and he gave the, the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Right, love. So the goal of speaking the truth in love is unity and maturity among the church with the purpose of building other people up in love. Now, let me tell you what speaking the truth in love is not. Speaking the truth in love is not saying something really mean and harsh and then at the end saying, uh, but just saying, just saying, 
right? It's not saying something super mean and harsh and then just saying, right? Like, you can't hold me like it's true, right? You know, that's not speaking the truth in love. Um, uh, I see that all the time online, um, ending your mean-spirited rant with just saying, as if to say, I'm, I'm just speaking the truth, and if you don't like it, sorry, not sorry, right? Who's, who's seen that? Has anybody seen that but me? Okay, okay. All right, good. This is a wonderful example of how to not speak the truth in love because all that does is tear down. And side note, in my opinion, conflict should never be dealt with online or through a text message. So much is up for interpretation and can be lost in translation, right? When it's written out, it's so much better to address conflict over the phone and even better face-to-face Uh, But also, you know, there can be temptation to say things that you would never say to the person when you're standing face-to-face with the person you're in conflict with. Online, there's this temptation to say things that you would never really say face-to-face, right? And there, I mean, there are a lot of cowards hiding behind keyboards, trolling people, passive-aggressively, under the guise of speaking the truth, right? All that does is tear people down. And, and in a culture of Christianity where so often we eat our own, right, that has got to stop. I was hoping to get an amen right there, but... Amen. All right, thank, thank you. Thank you. Because speaking the truth in love is all about building up and creating unity in the body of Christ. So so what are some practical steps you can take towards resolving conflict in a healthy manner, right, with a brother or sister in church that would give an opportunity for you to speak the truth in love with the purpose of peacemaking and bringing unity? Uh, Thankfully, Jesus laid those out those steps out in in, uh, Matthew chapter 18, and um, I would love to read that with you. Um, uh, I want to go ahead and read it, and then we're going to spend just a few moments breaking it down. So I'm going to read Matthew uh, chapter 18, 15 through 20, and and it'll be up on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. But um, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of the two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And and if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector." Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Right? 
In true Jesus fashion, he doesn't beat around the bush at all. He gives us step one uh, for resolving conflict with a brother or sister right away, and, and, which is what? Go to them, right? Go to them. And see, it's so simple. You go to them, right? Uh, and, and, and talk to them about the matter just between the two of you alone. I can't tell you the number of times I myself have skipped this step because it's so tempting. It's so much easier to pretend like the conflict doesn't exist or to go to someone else to talk about the problem. And, and there's nothing wrong with seeking advice from someone else about the matter, but when it's just in avoidance of dealing with the conflict, right? Like, that's a problem. Because then it's just becomes gossip. It's just gossip. And we all, I mean, if you've been in church for any length of time, you probably know gossip is equated to murder in the Bible, right? It just becomes gossip. And I have a lot of people who regularly come to me with issues regarding another person wanting the church leadership to get involved. And my first question is usually, have you talked to this person about it directly one-on-one? And more often than not, the answer is no. But that's the first step that Jesus gives us. And no one ever said the first step to anything positive is easy, right? Uh, it's, It's usually actually the hardest step. But it's so necessary because if you go to your brother or sister face to face, you listen to each other, you speak the truth in love and peace is made, the conflict ends right there at step one, right? But this step takes courage and willingness to turn and face what is uncomfortable. But what happens when you step out and go to your brother or sister directly in love and the conflict still isn't resolved, right? Well, you know, there are cases like that. Uh, well, step two is in verse 16, and, and where it says to go back and take one or two others with you. Allow, the, uh, la- allow other people you trust to hear your concerns and have a voice to offer insight within your conflict, This just makes sense to me because as we all know that sometimes people in our lives, especially those closest to us, will be able to receive something hard from someone else that they would never be able to hear from you. Husbands, can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Right? There are people in our lives that are not going to hear it from us. Right, and that's why it's so important to have people you trust, people who are wise in your in your life that you can ask to enter into uh, conflict resolution with you. But but um, but that but uh, but just because they won't hear it from you isn't an excuse to skip step one. I just want to put that out there too. And the final step Jesus offers, step three, is in verse 17, and it says, 
uh, bring the conflict before the church, and if they still refuse to listen to the church, treat them as someone who is deliberately rebellious towards God. That sounds kind of harsh, right? And, and, and we're not in practice of bringing people who are in an argument up before the church on a Sunday morning. Like, we're not in, the pra- in that practice here. Um, that, that, that would be weird. Um, and, um, but in step three, that's where church leadership gets involved. And uh, believe it or not, I have been in some meetings with people in conflict, and they were so blinded with pride and arrogance that they refused to make peace. And, and in that case, it was our um, uncomfortable duty to tell this person that they were no longer welcome in our community after we had just struggled and struggled all through the steps, all through the steps. And because all they wanted to do was stir up division in our body of Christ and, and corrupt the unity of the church. Now, thankfully, Oh, thankfully, that does not happen very often because it's an extreme case, but it does happen. And I, uh, along with our church elders, will always, always strive to make peace first, and then when it's not possible, protect the unity of the church um, that Christ has called us to, always. These are the practical steps that Jesus offers us for conflict resolution with a brother or sister in Matthew 18. And, and, in, and in verse 20, Jesus promises that when two or three are gathered together seeking unity, there, there he is among us, right? There he is among us. I usually would never add anything to Jesus' instructions for us um, But in this case, I just want to add a small thing. I do believe that there is a small but significant step before that happens before step one that is that is valuable. Let's call it step point five, right? Um, uh, This step happens before you go to the person directly, and it's summed up very well by the great philosopher Ice Cube um, when it says uh, when he when he once said. Check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? <laughs> Step point five is about taking a moment and examining yourself and your connection almost as a third party to this conflict. Examining your heart and your connection to this conflict. Um, uh, Proverbs 9. 11 says, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. I think sometimes if we just took the time to think about the root of why we are upset with someone, we may discover some truth in what the person said or did, you know, that we don't like about ourselves, right? And, and, and the root of it may just be what we are really upset about with ourselves. And so taking some time to process the root of the conflict can again give you enormous insight into how the conflict can be resolved. So I'm not adding to what Jesus said, but I I do think there's value in self-examination. So um, 
So that's a pretty cut and dry layout of how Jesus told us to deal with conflict within the church. But, but what about when we encounter conflict with people outside the church, people who are not believers? Well, I, I just want to offer a couple of really super quick insights uh, that I found to be helpful um, in these types of situations. Number one, don't expect people to act like Christians when they're not, Right? We can't expect them to play by our rules because why would they, right? Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 12 and 13, Paul says this, for, for, what I have to, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? It is not those inside the church. Oh, wait. Is it not? The, there you go. Perfect. It, dyslexia. Sorry. Uh, Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside, right? We can't expect non-Christians to respond to Christian efforts. uh, Another piece to that is, uh, you know, correction, like, correction comes within the context of relationship. So when we go to someone with our Christian values and they're not a Christian, why would they listen to what we have to say, right? It, it, it makes no sense. And, and so correction comes in the context of relationship. Uh, but with people who are not believers, we can't hold them to the same standard. So we must never shy away from speaking the truth in love or sharing the gospel, but also Colossians 4, Um, chapter four, five, and six say this, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person, right? Full of grace. And finally, if you run into conflict with a, with a person who isn't a believer, look at it as an opportunity to extend God's grace to them as he did to you when you were an outsider. Right? I don't even like that word, outsider, but for our purposes today, I'm, I'm, I'm using it. But 2 Timothy 2, 23 and 26, as the band comes up, um, this is, a, this is a really big piece right here, and I feel like this speaks volumes into the believer-non-believer conflict. Have nothing to do with foolish talk, ignorant conversations. You know that they breed uh, quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. Let's take a minute, let that sink that in. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponent with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. I want you to think about people you know who aren't believers and what they think about people who are believers. Do they think 
that um, that we're not quarrelsome people? Do they think that we speak with gentleness? Do we exercise patience even in the midst of evil? Because here's the deal is we can't change society's view of Christianity. We can't. But we as individuals, me, I can show the people that I encounter the Christ who lives in me. And everyone I come in contact with, I want them to experience Christ. A few years ago, there's a local business here in, uh, in town, and I just kind of made the decision to adopt it as my place. I'm sure many of you could guess what it is. <laughs> But several years ago, I made this decision, it's going to be my place, and I'm going to make inroads there, and I'm going to befriend everybody, and I'm going to get to know their names, and I'm going to ask how their day is going, and I'm going to be there and available for when they have questions, and I'm going to be approachable, and so years later, you know, I have this relationship with this local business in town where people know my name and they share hard things with me at the coffee counter. Like, oh, Jason, I I got into a car wreck the other day and I'm really shaken up about it. Can you pray for me? Yeah. You know, where is that place for you? Where is that place where you are not going in guns blazing. You're not going there to save everyone in the room at that moment, but where are you building a relationship that shows Christ? I want to challenge you to think about that this week. And just in closing, I know I went over, but just in closing... I want you to think about any conflict you may have in your life right now. Whether it be with a brother or sister within the church, or whether it be uh, a non-believer, whether it be a family member, I want to take some time in our service today just to pray for those. And so we do this a lot, and sometimes people come and receive prayer, and sometimes they don't, and that's totally fine. There's nothing, there's nothing special about coming forward, but it is a step. You do have to take a step of, of faith. You do have to take action to, to move forward, and it's, and it's humbling and, and vulnerable, but it's beautiful. So if you want to pray with just the person next to you about a conflict, that's awesome. Do it. But, our, but we're going to gather some leaders 
of the church up, up front here that are going to be just available to pray with you and over your conflict. And I, I urge you with all urgency, don't let conflict sit any longer. Don't let it get that quicksand grip on you any stronger. Don't get stuck any further. It's a lot easier to address or avoid or uh, watch out for conflict, dealing with it the proper way than to try to get unstuck once you're stuck. So with that said, let's pray. God, we invite you to work in this time. I pray that there would be relational healing that takes place, God. I pray that um, that families, Lord, that reconciliation, that you would that you would go before us and that you would give us the words and and, and wisdom, uh, Lord, and that you would also let us know when it's time to be quiet and listen, God. I pray over the conflicts that are represented in this room, God, and I pray, Lord, that you would have your way, that you would give us courage to turn and face the conflicts, Lord, that, that you would, um, you know, Lord, that, that there would be courage and gentleness, Lord. Father, that, that, uh, that the steps that you've given us to, to, to take, Lord, you so clearly mapped out, God. I, I thank you for your word that is a light to our feet continually, God. And so, God, I ask you to move in these situations. I, pr- I ask that you prepare the way even now, Lord. Father God, we just take a minute to be quiet before you, Lord. Sense your presence and pray that you would tug on heartstrings as you see fit, God. Jesus, Jesus, have your way. listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.